Story two Chapters five and six of Freaks on the Fells. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Freaks on the Fells by R. M. Ballantyne. Story two Chapter five on reaching the deck i saw at once how matters stood the russian had allowed us to come alongside and then throwing out grappling irons had fired a broadside into us and attempted to board they were soon overcome however by the pirates and driven back into their ship whither they were immediately followed i resolved come what might that i would take no part in the fray but i was carried in spite of myself on board the strange vessel in the rush that our men made when they drove their opponents back there was a short sharp skirmish on the deck of the russian and then the crew were driven below and the hatches put on i remembered having seen a number of soldiers on board when we first came up with this vessel there were none now their mysterious disappearance struck me at first but i soon forgot it in the thrilling scenes that followed in the middle of the vessel's main deck there was a cage of wild beasts how they had got there of course i knew not but at once concluded the ship must have been in southern climes and these animals were being brought home to be presented to some menagerie or zoological garden there were several fine specimens of lions and tigers and the sight of blood which flowed plentifully on the decks had so excited these creatures that they were now filling the air with deafening roars bounding against the sides of their cage which i expected every moment to see broken to pieces by their united strength and glaring at us with the most awful expressions of ferocity i ever beheld our captain who looked almost as fierce as the wild brutes could not make his voice heard for their roaring in savage fury he rushed at the cage and made a desperate cut with his sword at the lion nearest the bars the blood flowed from the wound freely and the savage animal being unable to wreak its vengeance on its cowardly assailant attacked one of its comrades this and the blood now flowing in the cage quite maddened them all an indiscriminate fight ensued the wooden partition that separated the tigers from the lions was smashed in and the strong cage shook as if it were made of cardboard turn a gun inboard yelled the captain who seemed to have actually gone mad with passion the order was instantly obeyed load to the muzzle great canister chain shot in with it he assisted in the operation rammed home the extraordinary charge pointed the gun at the cage and applied the match instantly the gun leaped backwards as if it had been a living thing broke down the bulwarks of the ship and plunged overboard the effect of the shot was terrific the cage was blown to atoms and the mangled remains of the wild beasts were strewn about the deck one animal however a magnificent bengal tiger had apparently escaped unhurt it sprang at the captain with a hideous roar he pointed a pistol at its open throat at that moment the woodcut in my book of travels flashed vividly before me but they had not time to think the pistol exploded sending its contents down the creature's throat the tiger fell short in its sleep blood poured from its mouth and nose with another bound it cleared the bulwarks and fell into the sea the calm that succeeded this thrilling incident was like a sudden lull in the midst of a furious storm even the pirates seemed to be solemnized by what had passed now to work cried the captain wiping his sword 
and laying it with a brace of loaded pistols on the capstan. What are you staring at, you fools? Have you lost your senses? Open the afterhatch and bring them up, one at a time. Get the plank ready. The first who was led bound before the captain was the steward of the ship. He was deadly pale and trembled very much. Now, my man, said the captain, answer my questions. The truth, mind, else. He touched the butt of a pistol significantly. Where did you last sail from? To my amazement, the man gave the name of the port from which we ourselves had sailed. I felt certain that this was a falsehood, and that the poor man's life would be forfeited. Judge, then, my surprise when the captain said, I know that as well as you. I saw you sneak out just the day before we did. But you didn't escape me. <laughs> you are too good to live, my man. Stand aside here till I call someone who's not quite so frightened. Here, hold him, one of you. Bring another. I started. My heart almost ceased to beat when the next man was led forward. He was my father's manservant, Edwards. In the confusion and horror of that hour I could not reason, but a vague sense of some mysterious impossibility having actually taken place oppressed me in a way that I cannot explain. The ship had sailed the day before ours did. I left Edwards behind me in the race from home. How, then, did I see him before me? Then the cage of wild beasts. How was it possible that a vessel leaving an English port could have such creatures on board? Then my father's letter. It seemed more than ever mysterious how that letter could reach me, and through such a channel and without a word of reference to Edwards. He did not observe me as he passed. I tried to utter his name, but my tongue was tied. I could not speak. I could not move. Where did you last sail from? began the captain. You'll get nothing out of me replied Edwards stoutly. Do your most. Torture me, if you like. I defy you to your teeth. Do you, my fine fellow, said the captain with a bitter sneer. Then I'll just send you overboard at once. <laughs> I've no time to torture you, and as I shall find plenty of your comrades willing enough to tell me all they know, I'll not trouble you any further. Ho! Run out the plank there. I knew what that meant, and a cold shiver passed through my frame as the men obeyed and blindfolded Edwards, preparatory to make him walk the plank. I could restrain myself no longer. Darting up to the captain, I shouted in a voice of indignation. Do you mean to murder an innocent man, you dastardly villain? He looked at me for a moment in surprise, then, snatching a pistol, felt me with it to the deck. I was not rendered quite insensible. I heard the shriek of agony uttered by poor Edwards as he fell off the end of the plank into the sea. Then I fainted. How long I lay, I know not. Probably not long, for I was restored to a state of consciousness by being plunged into the sea. I had no doubt that the captain had ordered me to be thrown overboard, just after I fell under his brutal blow. Being a good swimmer, I struck out at once and made for the side of the pirate vessel, where I caught the end of a rope and soon clambered on board. I was much exhausted and sat down on the bridge of a carronade to rest and recover my stunned and scattered faculties. The crew of the pirate were so busily engaged with the captured ship that I found myself quite alone on the deck. Not a man remained in the ship. 
an idea suddenly occurred to me just then i glanced up at the sails they were all flapping in the wind except the fore topsail that sail had slewed round and was drawing so that the vessel strained her ropes and grappling irons that held her to the captured ship i sprang up burning with eager excitement i heard the shrieks of the ill-fated victims as one by one they walked the plank which fortunately for the success of my design was thrust out on the other side of the ship a crowbar enabled me to wrench off the grappling irons two cuts of a large axe severed the cable that had been fastened to the bow and the vessel's head fell slowly off as it did so all the sails filled with a sudden clap this was observed i heard a shout and saw the pirates spring on the bulwarks of the prize i flew rather than ran to the stern where the cable that held the vessel was rigid as a bar of iron one blow cut it and the rope recoiled violently in the faces of the men who laid hold of it next moment the pirate ship was heading away before a stiff breeze which was quickly freshening to a gale as i sprang to the helm a shower of musket and pistol bullets tore up the deck around me and i heard the captain's voice give the order to load the guns it was a few minutes before the vis inertiae of the ship was overcome so that i was within close range when a whole broadside was fired at me but not a shot struck they tore up the water all round and ricocheted over me before they could reload i was almost beyond range for the gale was freshening every moment and the canvas spread was enough almost to tear the masts out of the ship the water hissed as she flew over the heaving waves and in a few minutes i felt that i was free oh the feeling of wild delight that filled me when i realized this i lashed the helm amidships and ran down below to tell jack what i had done he was asleep by a powerful effort i restrained myself and did not disturb him then i rushed on deck my brain seemed on fire i shouted laughed and sang and wept until i began to feel a terrible sensation of dread lest i should go mad but this instead of calming me caused me to dance and sing and shout the more a burning thirst came upon me i ran to the water cask and drank till i could drink no more i was refreshed but soon the fever returned fiercer than ever i was mad i knew it i felt it but i did not care i saw that the storm increased this caused me to shout again with joy at the thought that i was so quickly borne away from the scene of butchery and from the fiends in human form with whom i had so lately associated the gale burst in all its fury upon us the sails were new and strong the ship plunged into the waves a green billow swept inboard and burst in fury on the deck carrying away boats and loose spars i yelled with delight and plunged into the brine that lashed the deck from stem to stern i heard a noise overhead but was so confused that i could not understand what it was as i gazed there came a terrific blast the mainsail split from top to bottom the topsails burst and were blown to ribbons at the same moment i received a violent blow on the head after that all was darkness and oblivion end of story two chapter five story two chapter six when consciousness returned to me i found myself lying on my back on the deck of a vessel surrounded and propped up by pillows and jack brown sitting beside me reading a book i felt a curious sensation of weakness and emptiness in my head 
as if it were hollow and a strange disinclination almost inability to speak or think suddenly this passed away and the events which i have related in the previous chapters rushed back upon my memory with vivid power it must have been a dream i thought or i must have been ill and delirious and these things have passed through my fevered brain at that moment the thought of jack's amputated leg came into my head that will prove it thought i and turned quickly to look at my friend one glance was sufficient a wooden stump occupied the place of his right leg i groaned aloud and burst into tears come bob said jack in a soft kind tone laying down his book and bending over me come my poor fellow keep quiet it's about time you had your dinner lie still and i'll fetch it to you i laid my hand on his arm and detained him then it's all true said i in a tone of the deepest despondency is what all true this this horrible your leg your leg jack suddenly stooped and gazed earnestly into my face do you know me bob he trembled as he spoke know you jack why should i not know you when did i ever forget you thank god he exclaimed fervently taking my hand and pressing it to his breast you're all right again oh how i have longed and prayed for this all right jack have i been wrong then that you have just said jack smiling sadly you've been as mad as a march hare that's all i fell flat down and gazed at him in a minute more i raised myself on one elbow and looking at him earnestly said how long jack just three weeks to-day i fell flat down again in which position jack left me to go and fetch me some dinner he returned quickly with a plate of soup before commencing to eat it i pressed my hand on my forehead and said jack i am surrounded by mysteries how got you so soon well where got you that wooden leg how are we here alone where are we going clear up my faculties jack while i eat this soup do like a good fellow i can easily do that bob first i got well because you took care of me what i yes you at the commencement of your madness you tended me and cared for me as if you had been my mother when you got to lose all method in your madness i was well enough to take care of myself and you too secondly i found this wooden leg in the carpenter's berth and gladly availed myself of its services though it is three inches too short and caused me to hobble in a most undignified manner thirdly we are here alone because there is no one else with us you took good care of that by cutting the ropes before any of our crew could get aboard so you told me just before you went mad oh i remember now i recollect it all go on fourthly as to where we are going i don't know our compass was smashed to pieces in the fight and i've been running for the last three weeks right before the wind so now you know all and as you've finished your soup i'll go and get you a lump of boiled junk don't said i rising and shaking myself i've dined i feel quite strong i don't feel a bit as if i had been ill 
hallo what land is that jack started and gazed at it with surprise he had evidently not known that we were in the neighbourhood of land a dense fog bank had concealed it from us now that it cleared away it revealed to our gaze a stretch of yellow sand backed by the lofty blue hills of the interior and from the palm trees that i could make out distinctly i judged that we must have been making for the tropical regions during the last three weeks yet here again mystery surrounded me how was it possible that we should have reached the tropics in so short a time while i was puzzling over this question the greatest mystery of all occurred to us if i were not conscientiously relating events exactly as they occurred i should expect my readers to doubt my veracity here as we were sailing smoothly along our ship without any apparent cause began to sink she went down gradually but quickly inch by inch until the water was on a level with the decks we struck no rock we did not cease to advance toward the shore i fancied that we must certainly have sprung a leak but there had been no sound of a plank starting and there was no noise of water rushing into the hold i could not imagine what had occurred but i had not much time for thought we could do nothing to avert the catastrophe it occurred so suddenly that we were both rendered mute and helpless we stood gazing at the water as it crept over the deck without making the slightest effort to save ourselves at length the water reached the hatchway and poured in a roaring cataract into the hold the vessel filled gave a heavy lurch to port a species of tremor passed through her frame as if she was a living thing and knew that her hour had come then she went down in a whirlpool leaving jack and me struggling in the sea we were both good swimmers so that we did not experience much alarm especially when we felt that the sea was comparatively warm we struck out for the shore and being the better swimmer of the two i took the lead but now to our horror we found that we were followed by sharks no sooner did we observe this than we struck out with all the energy of terror we never swam as we did on that occasion it seemed to me quite miraculous the water burst from our breasts in foam and we left long white tracks behind us as we clove our way through the water like two boats it was awful i shall never forget my feelings on that occasion they were indescribable inconceivable we were about a quarter of a mile from a point of rocks when our ship sank in an incredibly short space of time we were close on the rocks being several yards ahead of jack i was the first to clamber up my heart fluttering with fear yet filled with deep gratitude for my deliverance i turned to help jack he was yet six yards from shore when a dreadful shark made a rush at him oh quick quick i screamed he was panting and straining like a lion another moment and his hand would have been in mine but at that moment i beheld the double rows of horrid teeth close upon him he uttered a piercing shriek and there was an indescribably horrible scrunch as he went down in a moment after he reappeared and making a last frightful effort to gain the rocks caught my hand i dragged him out of danger instantly and then i found to my unutterable joy that the shark had only bitten off the half of his wooden leg embracing each other fervently we sat down in the rocks to rest and collect our thoughts End of story two, chapter six.